Hey everybody, Coach here. Now, before you click off and find something else to entertain yourself with, give me a chance to explain here. Yes, we are talking about watering. Probably not the greatest topic for someone to seek out, but yes, there is actually a technique. Watering in summer months is different than any other time of year. If attention is not given in the summer months, Plants die, and they die twice as fast as any other season of the year. Let's talk about it, and maybe you can avoid that rabbit hole of summer plant loss. Hey, I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey friends, Maestro here. Just dropping a reminder to check out the podcast description for discount opportunities and any important links. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on a specific app, please don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps us grow and continue to provide these free podcasts. Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Hey, are you a card-carrying member of the Hose Dragger Club? Millions are, and there is nothing wrong with it. If you are at the business end of that water delivery anaconda, at least you are keeping things moist and alive. Whether you're watering your veggies or your flower garden or your lawn, whatever it is, at least you're doing it. At least you're dragging the hose because many people just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. When it rains, it rains. That's when I'll water. Now, for some of you, you guys are lucky enough to have that type of water by Mother Nature all the time. And good for you. You don't have to do as much. But my question to you is, are you doing it correctly? That's right. Correctly. There is a right and a wrong way to water in the hotter summer months. The fancy word I want you to remember to start off is this. Trans-evaporation comes into play. This plant process is at its peak during the warmer or even hotter months of the year. Simply put, it's the water uptake through the roots and the release of that same water through vapors and stuff out the leaf surface. The key is you, you, the homeowner, never want the balance to get out of whack. The plant, no matter what kind, will continue its trans-evaporation up to the point the roots fail the roots fail to uptake water because stuff has gone dry. That's when wilting and stress descend and death is just around the corner, let's face it. Once those little hair roots wither, the little microscopic hair roots that actually uptake moisture, then boom, game over. It's like you holding your breath and expecting yourself to breathe. It just does not work. Once those root hairs are dead, the plant has no way of taking up moisture in a quantity enough to sustain itself for any length of time. The biggest victims in the summer months are container plants. Those little beauties that you've spent money on, both the pot, the potting soil, and then the plants, are 1,000% dependent on you and your watering diligence for their survival. They cannot put out new roots in order to uptake more water when there is no more water to uptake. They cannot go deeper than the bottom of the pot. And with additional heating from the container's exterior, roots can wither and shrink very easily if you don't keep your eye on it. For ground-based plantings, the type of soil can really determine your watering practices. Do you know what kind of soil you have? It is very, very important to know so you can properly water and 
accommodate the plants in the soil that you do have. You know, do you have red Georgia clay? Do you have Central Valley, California, sandy loam soils? It really depends. And then your watering techniques will be well, kind of customized around what you have there. Let me tell you one thing. Plants are not stupid. They will work only as hard as they have to in order for survival. You know, during the heat of the summer, July's and August's, you know, and sometimes even June's and September's, many plants, many plants will actually kind of go into a semi-dormant state in the warmer months to avoid death and stress. A great example of this is some of your cool season grasses. Their metabolic rate declines by over 50% when temps get up over 85, 90 degrees. And by 95 degrees, those grasses will shut down growth almost completely, which is kind of a survival mechanism for them because they're really not meant. That's why they call them cool season grasses. That's why they thrive at higher altitudes or northern latitudes. Same goes for the old tomato. Now, a lot of people say, well, I plant them in the spring and the summertime and everything, and, you know, I get the beautiful tomatoes, and I love to bring them in, blah, blah, blah. Those guys, once you hit about 88 degrees or so, they slow way down. Number one, they have a very hard time setting blossom and setting fruit when it gets super, super hot. And if the, the tomato itself is sitting out in the exposed sunlight, oftentimes it can get burnt it ripens really, really rapidly, and it just doesn't taste as well as those tomatoes that have set earlier on in the cool part of the season and are deep inside the plant where it can kind of ripen slowly. That's where you get the, the old garden fresh tomato flavor. So just because it is 90 plus degrees out doesn't mean that everything is going to work perfectly. So what is the proper approach to watering in these hot months? It is a breakdown of areas of your landscape that require different watering needs. And you need to know those areas. You need to know what they require and when. For example, lawn areas need attention multiple times a week, usually in the hotter months, unless you have rain. And you know, many parts of my country and Canada and places around the world, you guys get an adequate amount of rain throughout a growing season where chances are you may not ever turn on a hose or an irrigation system. And those lawns are perfectly fine with that. You don't have to do too much. Mature trees have adapted the same way in these areas where they will get enough water from mother nature. Some of the things that will not get enough is many of the container materials, sometimes annuals and perennials. They may need water in addition to what's falling out of the sky. Or if you have them tucked up underneath an awning or an entryway, they may not get water at all. And you kind of have to balance out what's falling out of the sky versus what your protected containers need. And perennials, for the most part, I mean, I'm speaking from a position where hose draggers were really at large starting in about May in Northern California when the mother nature shut off the tap. And I don't care how much snow is up in the Sierras, and I don't care how full the rivers are or anything else, landscapes, residential landscapes, dry out. They do, and the supplemental water season comes on. So perennials are gonna need water maybe, even if they're in the ground, they may need water a minimum of twice a week, depending on the variety. Veggies may need water daily in some cases, up to two to three times a week at a minimum. And depending on conditions, Raised beds may need water every day. 
It was not uncommon to have 100 degree days and you could go out there and you could water on a Monday and I'll tell you what, a mature tomato, beans, certainly melons, those things required a lot of water and usually a daily watering in order to keep up with it. So what was my approach? My approach was check and recheck. From this, I kind of learned that at least through my first summer, what areas need more and what areas need less throughout the landscape. I know that some parts of my northern side of my house required probably two times, maybe three times in a heat wave watering every week. But the front lawns, the back lawns, the olive orchard. Now the olive orchard, I did not dry farm. I supplemental irrigated my olive orchard and it probably got water twice a week. And when I say twice a week, I would turn it on Tuesday morning. This was a drip system now. I would turn it on Tuesday morning at midnight and it would run for seven hours until the morning hours. And then it would shut off before the landscape watering came on. Now I know that's not hose dragging, but I, I couldn't do three quarters of an acre uh, with hose dragging. That would just... <laughs> I wouldn't get anything else done. As for the rest of the yard, that was kind of a wait and see type of thing. I knew where there were dry areas based on soil and soil conditions that I had to pay particular attention to. And I knew where the wet areas were, where the drainage wasn't as great as other parts of the yard. And because I paid attention to it and I checked and rechecked, I was able to customize my watering schedules to better apply it and when to apply it so that I got the best bang for my water buck. Now, like I said before, many of you are fortunate, mm, sort of, in that Mother Nature provides most, if not all, your water needs. You lucky bastardos, you don't have to drag a hose, and chances are many of you do not have automated irrigation. But with all that rainfall and the summer heats and stuff, other things come about. With that comes things called diseases, like fungus, virus, and bacterias and other microscopic plant terrorists, like insects and other stuff, that sometimes for us out in the West, or sometimes for those of us around the globe that do not have really reliant type of rain, we don't have those diseases and pests quite as much. Sometimes not even all at all, because the arid regions dry out a lot faster. And if you water correctly, Chances are those diseases do not catch up with you. Some plants require only gentle ground watering. And please, no splashing on leaves and no watering of those leaves. Like tomatoes. One of the biggest things you can do to cause problems with your tomato is water the leaves. Water the leaves and then let the water fall off the leaves and onto the ground and splash all over the bottom of the tomato plant you will end up with problems. You really will. But then there's other plants that you might have somewhere else in the yard, like ferns and fuchsias and hostas and whatnot. And they love a little surface water. They love that leaf surface being cooled off by the cool water. And they really, really enjoy it and respond accordingly. So, <laughs> can we win at any of these multitude water requirements? Well, sure you can, yeah. It is called raise your level of awareness about your prized possession, that being your home and your landscape, you gotta know it, ladies and gentlemen, inside and out, like the back of your freaking hand. One school of thought about summer watering that I have uh, learned a long time ago and I've applied is this, deep and infrequent. 
This applies mainly to ground plantings now. But in some cases, you can do it with containers. A slow, deep soak will penetrate further into the ground. It will cause a lot less runoff, and it will be more uptake and less chance of drowning. It really will. The deep in frequent waterings are much more healthy than the frequent splash and goes that a lot of people do. Containers often need this same approach. Those root balls have a tendency when things start to dry out that they shrink, allowing water to kind of pool on the top, but then run around the outside of the root ball and out the drainage hole and never really penetrate into that root ball. That's why we can't allow things to dry out. And then when we do when we do water those containers, fill them up twice, maybe even three times. You know, your potting soils are gonna drain really, really easily, so you not have to worry about that. And if you did the bottom of the pot correctly with uh, some gravel or some stones or broken clay pottery or whatever you use, the water's gonna drain out. So we want to water deep and we want to water infrequently and make sure that those root balls are saturated from the outside in and They'll respond very well for you. Another thing that I really love for you to pay attention to is the time of day. The time of day is so, so critical. Such a critical element in summer watering. Lawn watering, I'm telling you, and cities. Cities are some of the biggest violators out west of this. Is lawn watering at two o'clock in the afternoon, that's just freaking retarded and wastes more water than it ever uses. Only about 10% or less is actually used by the turf areas, and the rest is just basically cast off to evaporation. You know, especially if you're using automated sprinklers or you're using uh, sp pop-up sprays for watering turf areas or garden areas, you're wasting your money. And if you're on a meter, my God, you know, you're, <laughs> you're just cutting checks every month to the water company and you're not getting any bang for your buck. Ground planting, watering at the same time, using spray irrigation and not drip irrigation, you're losing about 75% of what you put out there because it's just gonna evaporate off. The key to this is to water early in the morning and early in the evening. When the sun is low or not even up yet, but it's light outside, evening watering plants should be ground only and not foliage, especially in veggies and other plant material. I mean, you can do it for lawns. That generally doesn't cause a problem, but for the most part. So what I used to do when I was young, dumb, and had to go to work, I would water before I left for work. And then I might water if needed after the dinner hour. That was kind of my rule of thumb. Another lay of insurance that you can put down is check before evening watering. If things are still moist within a, a reasonable depth of scratching the surface and stuff, then skip it. Skip it till the following morning or the next day, depending on what the weather is. Which brings up the next thing. You can look right on your phone and you can see what the weather is going to be oftentimes hourly, but certainly daily. And if you know that you have you have a heat wave coming on, you know, it's been in the high 70s, but hey, next week it's going to be the mid 90s. Well, prophylactically, you can respond to that a few days in advance and do some deep soakings and prepare the plant for what's coming. Because if you don't think that they're not stressed with such a rapid change in temperatures, you know, look at yourself. You know, if you're walking around with long pants, a shirt, and maybe a light jacket one week, and the next week it's like 30 degrees hotter, and you're suddenly in flip-flop shorts and a tank top, 
and you're going, oh my God, it's so hot outside. The plants are the same way. And the difference between the two of you is you can go inside or you can jump in your air conditioned car or you can go swimming. The plant, the plant is the plant where you put it and it has no other choice but to live or die with your help. So pay attention to what you put it out there. An old mentor of mine, thank you, JC Burns, says, check before you wreck. And in this particular case, check your containers, check your ground, check the overall vigor of your landscape and prepare for what's coming. Another thing that you can do is check the drainage. If you have a sandy loam or a sandy type of soil and stuff, your mulching and other things is really going to allow that root zone to stay a lot cooler. It's going to allow the water to stay in place and not evaporate off quite as fast. And mulch can come in a multitude of ways. I, I saw something on YouTube not too long ago that said uh, gravel does not make a good mulch. Well, I'm just going to go out there and call BS on that because if you have a a two inch or three inch layer of gravel over the ground. I implore you to go out there after you've watered. Check it the next day by moving that gravel out of the way and look at that soil. <laughs> it's gonna be moist and it will be cooler, especially into the root zone. It may be warm on the surface, but everything is warm on the surface and I'd rather have warm gravel and cool soil than sun-baked soil and a dry, dry surface. So mulching is a great way of watering. You don't have to water as often, and when it is, it's much more usable. It stays around a little bit longer. Another thing about drainage is soil amending at planting time. Using a drainable containers. Good sakes, don't put them in you know, ceramic pots with no drain holes. Create the drain holes. And at the very least, monitoring. Monitor, monitor, monitor for the best plant health during those scorching temperatures. You know, if you get it right, the landscapes flourish. But I'm telling you, close your eyes to it at the wrong time or the wrong week, and it only takes a day or less. In some cases, plants just go bye-bye. They check out. They're not going to sit there and fight, fight, fight. They don't have that capability. Their survival depends on you and what you have provided for them. So, how many times if I had a $100 bill? That's when I used to hear, but I checked them two days ago, everything was fine. Or, but this morning they seemed okay. Or, I thought you watered this morning. See what I'm saying? So, communication within the house, who's really responsible? Is it everybody responsible for looking out for the landscape? Or is it just one person? But whatever it is, Put a reminder on your phone. Do anything it takes for you to get out there and monitor it and, you know, assess. You know, the dog days of summer are upon us now. And it can kick a landscape's butt, especially if you have a lot of first-year stuff out there. Annuals, perennials, veggies. You know, you can't just plant and forget. It, that's just, I don't care. Even if you have an automated system even though this episode is kind of dedicated to Hose Dragger Club, even if you had an automated system, brand new plants, no. Nah. Brand new plants are dependent on you, not your automated system. You have to adjust the amount of water it's going out there, and the plant can't reach up there and hit the timer and go, I'm dying here, manual operation, go. Okay, that's, that's not gonna happen. It's all up to you. 
And I can remember many times after people have handed me thousands and thousands of dollars and I walked them through their automated irrigation system, I told them, this is not a set and forget. This is something where for the next three months, you have to come out here and look at the plants themselves. Just because I set it for what it is today, two weeks from now or a month from now, the weather may be totally different and there may be more more demands made on the watering system for the plant's health, or maybe it's gonna cool off. And today we're standing here at the end of the job and it's 92 degrees in the shade and I have it turned up. Well, two weeks from now, it's in the mid 70s and maybe you need to adjust. If you are a card carrying member of the Hose Draggers Club, I would like to introduce you to our, on the channel, our first product review. On the channel this week, I go into an in-depth review of the 100-foot LaFree garden hose. A new concept, really, in a lightweight, expandable hose technology that allows for much more ease of carrying and dragging, storage, and yet it still supplies ample water when used correctly for the residential applications. You know, it weighs in at only a little over four pounds, and storing it in a five-gallon bucket as a cinch or it comes with a little hose hanger that you can hang on a wall or a post very easily. And the nice thing about it is if you, if you have some hand problems or an injury or you're, it's hard to get around for you because of physical limitations, this hose is a breeze. It doesn't take hardly anything at all. It comes complete with a multi-spray trigger sprayer, the hose hanger that I mentioned, a nice shutoff valve, and it delivers years of garden surface and comes with a lifetime warranty. I don't know if it's your lifetime or the hose's lifetime, but check out the warranty. You register it just like you do any product, and if something goes wrong, they'll take care of you. Hey, check out my review of this third generation nano rubber expandable hose on the channel this week. And believe it or not, there is a discount link available in the description. So, summer watering. Summer watering is an important part of getting through the next three months or so, and do not ignore. Remember your early mornings and your early evening watering times. Remember, infrequent deep watering is more effective than frequent. We don't want to create a really shallow rooted system. So deep and infrequent, and then make sure you know where those areas in the yard require certain tensions. Hey guys, I appreciate you sticking around. I really, really do. Hope you see you over on the YouTube channel and the other platforms. And as always, to your landscape success, if you'd like to really expand on your landscape knowledge, please consider visiting the website, youryardcoach.com, and check out the book and the digital course. I really appreciate it. The Amazon store is always open for you, and we'll catch you next week, every week, and I appreciate your time. Don't forget to subscribe and follow me on a regular basis. If you have a landscape question you can't seem to get answered, feel free to email me at youryardcoach at gmail.com. See you next week. Hey friends, Maestro here. Just dropping a reminder to check out the podcast description for discount opportunities and any important links. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on a specific app, please don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps us grow and continue to provide these free podcasts. Again, thanks for listening to this week's show and we'll see you right here next week.